when you're being your true authentic self is when the magic kind of starts to happen around you hello everybody welcome to the club machine podcast my name is matt landry and in this sixth episode i'm here with akeem o Throughout this podcast, we'll discuss Akeem's origin story, his creative process, his upcoming projects, and some of the artists that have impacted him the most. We also play a game of Didn't You Know? Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cloud Machine Podcast. For those who weren't who are new to the podcast, uh, this podcast, the Cloud Machine Podcast, is about the music industry and its stakeholders, meaning everyone that works in it, lives it loves it and surrounds it our goal is to shine a light on roles people and realities of the music industry that are often forgotten or taken for granted whether you're someone that's dreaming about making making a move in the industry have some songs recorded and don't know what to do with them or just a listener that wants to learn more you're at the right place this week and in recognition of black history month i have the immense pleasure of welcoming one of my best friends and collaborate collaborators to the podcast akim o is an artist multi-instrumentalist, producer, creator, historian, vinyl curator, and DJ. Having been based out of Ottawa for the last 10 years, Akeem has garnered a respect in the English and French music industries as an artist, visionary, and facilitator of all things music and live experiences. Over the span of his young, still young career, he has played a crucial role in multiple records and projects. In 2018, Akeem O started releasing music from his current era, such as the singles Winter Crush, Schoolgirl, and O, live from the Record Center. A Bandcamp exclusive, by the way. So, support your artists. He is currently working on his next batch of singles and a new project with some of Toronto's finest singer, songwriters, and producers. For more information and to get in touch with Akeem, you can get in contact with them at his website, akeemo.com. That's A-K-E-E-M-O-H.com or on socials at Music. Without further ado, please welcome Akeem O to the Cloud Machine Podcast. It is great to be here, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks for coming. All the way from Ottawa, you just got in. Yeah. On the bus. Shout out to the bus. Mm -hmm. Gotta love the bus. Yeah. (laughs) Been there. The magical mystery uh, (laughs) bus or no? Yeah. yeah, I'll take it. It could be. Yeah. Um, Start it off with the question I always ask people. what has been your favorite live show um, to experience? Well, we'll start off with a fan as you, but for you, it's it, it'll be both. So I'll start, but I'll start with a fan. What has been your live, your favorite live, yeah. perf- I guess, experience? Like as, as someone that goes to shows. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had the immense pleasure to see Paul McCartney, which was great. I've seen him three times. Hey. And uh, I think the first time was definitely my favorite yeah. because I just like did not realize I was going to go see Paul McCartney. Like I knew, but like in my brain, it made no sense. And <laughs> it was me and my mom and yeah. my mom was, you know, a huge Beatles fan growing up. Um, like she saw them on the Ed Sullivan show and everything. So yeah, we went to the show. We were in the VIP a section hey. and uh, yeah, before the show, uh, the power went off on the stage so okay. there's like this whole thing going on. Yeah. And then like right before he came on, the power went back oh on. 
Like it was magic, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, wow. it, was, it was John Lennon playing yeah. <laughs> some tricks on McCartney. There you go. You know, uh, um, where was the show? So this was in Halifax. Oh my gosh! Yeah, okay. it was outside in Halifax. Yeah. It was great. Did you drive? Yeah. We did drive. Oh yeah, the gosh. whole family in the yeah. uh, the old Willette van. You know. Yeah. So yeah. did did the rest of the family not go to the concert? They did not. Okay. Yeah, well, they. I don't know. They got something else. You know. I think they <laughs> went to see uh, either like. Justin Bieber or like Beyonce or something oh, wow. like they went to see something else. Okay, you know? so there's a couple so concerts going on yeah. at the time. Yeah, wow. so I think like they had s- they had either already seen them or it was like later in the summer. Wow. But yeah, we just went on a trip and uh, <laughs> got to see McCartney. Yeah, that's one of my dreams. I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully he's touring for another little while. Like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't I don't know when's the next time he'd be in Canada. Yeah. Um. What about as a an artist? Yeah, uh, like as an artist, being like some of my favorite shows. Yeah, some of your favorite shows. Myself. Yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of my career highlights was uh, playing at Les Francofolies de Montréal. Mm -hmm. Um, 10,000 people. It was for a TV show called Jam at the time. Yeah. Uh, That was great. I played... uh, Yes! Jam. (laughs) Oh, shit. Come on. on. Um, I played... Yeah, we played just like a few songs. Yeah. you know, you kind of get a buzz and then it kind of ends quick, which is the only thing. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. I had the immense pleasure of playing at the uh, National Arts Center four times in the past year. Yeah, that's... Which is, like, amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, but I think my favorite show in the last year was uh, probably at Saw Club in... Or Club Saw in Ottawa. Yeah. And it was me and a tape machine with, like, drones and just, like, me, like, wailing and just, like, you yeah. know... And it was such a surreal experience, and I felt something that I had never felt on stage. And yeah, it was great. Was it you with tape machine and a guitar, or some keys, or anything like that? Or was it just purely just the tape machine? So for some tracks, it was just me and the tape machine, and then for others, like I would incorporate the guitar yeah. and and sound effects, and Dang. yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> how'd a good you, time. How did you come up with that with, with that concept? Um, I think it's just from being such a huge Beatles fan and mm-hmm. uh, growing up, uh, Paul McCartney released a record called Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. And he got back to doing a lot of tape stuff with tape loops and drones uh, with Nigel Godrich, the famous producer, Radiohead, yeah, Radiohead so yeah, many so others. Many. Um, and yeah, I remember watching that and being like 10 or 10 or 11 years old and just being completely fascinated with that. So I've tried to incorporate some tape into pretty much all my projects. uh, Yeah. So far. Yeah. So far. Jeez. Mm -hmm. The next question is a typical question that we ask as well here. Um, It's, it surrounds Erica Badu's quote um, around, well, basically here's the quote music and music business are two different things. Um, Now it's basically to get your take on what the music business is like now. Um, So just to get your first instinct on that music and music business are two different things. What do you hear when you, when you hear that? Yeah. Cause for me, music is definitely a form of expression. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas business is kind of just like a form of marketing, you know, like, for me, when I'm at home, I'm not really thinking about the business side. I'm thinking about, okay, how do I feel right now? How do I want to put that into uh, words, into um, sounds? So for me, yeah, music is the expression, 
you know, it's, it's that. Whereas like the business side is, you know, how can we reach people with, with that music? How can we, um, also just cater to multiple different generations and different platforms as well. Like, you know, a lot of people are doing the TikTok thing now, um, which is something I'm still kind of trying to <laughs> yeah. dive into and discover yes. slowly but surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like sometimes when it comes to the business side, you kind of lose the real kind of, yeah, just like the real and like the the vulnerability that the artist has while they're creating. So sometimes it doesn't necessarily translate to the business side. But I think that like if you go into making music um, with like just the intention of, of making it yours and, and putting everything that's real into it, then like it will kind of shine through on the business side as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that your, um, perception of the music business has changed throughout the years? I definitely do think that, yeah, my perception has changed on the business, like the music business, mm-hmm. just like seeing how things have changed, like even just with streaming. Yes. Yeah. You know, like I remember releasing songs in high school and like selling hundreds and hundreds of downloads and like actually making a profit off yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the songs, you know, whereas <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like yesterday was so can day. You right. Know? Yes. Yeah. We all yeah. got that email. Shout yeah. out so can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a good one for me because I, I do have some stuff in publishing and in just like on TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. But my streaming, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Stream Akimo, Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp. Help a brother out. <laughs> yeah. Please, please, please. Uh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. it, I guess coming from kind of the French side, and we'll talk about it in a bit, mm-hmm. um, but also like working through uh, like a, at a record shop for so long. Um, do you think that there's been some changes there as well? Like, because in the last like maybe, I don't know, maybe decade, maybe you can educate us mm-hmm. about, about this a little bit, but there's been like a resurgence of vinyl. Um did you get to see that process out out of the out of the record center? Shout out record center in Ottawa. Um, did you, did you get to see that process from kind of the resurgence of vinyl, or were you there when it was like a hot commodity as well? Like it was it was already a hot thing when I got like when I started to work at the record center, right? Um, but I feel like it just kept getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, you know, right. like it's it's wild, you know, and even with the pandemic people have spent time at home, you know, like all the busy people are at home. A lot of people are working at home and it's, you want to find something to, I don't know, just like add to your day instead of just sitting in, I don't know, typing on your, on your computer. Yeah. 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 You, you want to have something that, that feels good to the ear and not just something that's like really in the background. So right. a lot of people bought turntables, right. a lot of people bought records and, Unfortunately, a lot of major labels have really upped their prices um, when it comes to to records. You know, like right. for me, like the the classic example, and it's not to call out anyone, but like <laughs> you know, Adele's three first records that usually sell between you know twenty to thirty two dollars, and her new record that sells between fifty and sixty dollars. Oh my god! You know. Yeah, you know, no, that's 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 a big one. Yeah, Um, and it's too bad because then what happens is there's less reach by doing that. Like mm -hmm. 
yes, Adele got 500,000 copies of her record pressed on vinyl. Yeah. But like, but having it at that price, it wasn't really accessible for people. Right. So it might not have made as much of an impact, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Did you see that record not selling as much as the previous records of the shop? Yeah, definitely. Because of that price point, you mm-hmm. think? I feel like people came into the shop to buy that record and ended up buying one of her earlier records. Yeah, something else. Yeah. yeah. I remember mm-hmm. I, I remember in maybe when I when I got the Toronto 2017-2018 when Anderson Pack released Malibu. Mm-hmm. I remember that being the most expensive record that I'd seen in years yeah. i thought it was like 50 th- i think it was like 50 bucks maybe and i was like oh my god why mm. would i buy a record it was like my favorite record at the time but why yeah. would i buy this record at 50 dollars? anyway mm. it just uh, i just remember like going into the shop and checking i still to this day even sometimes check the malibu prices because yeah. it just sort of gives me a kind of I- an idea how the how the the shop is priced in general too mm. um Man, but yeah, I mean, there's been such an evolution of the v- mm-hmm. vinyl in the past like decade. And I just yeah. want your take on the, just the business side of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I can please, add yeah. one more thing, you know, like an artist like Adele is on a major label. She yeah. has major support. Whereas like at the time, Anderson Pac was like, you know, he's, he was still kind of like he was known, but still very underground in some way. Yes. Yeah. Like. He wasn't necessarily the household name that, like, he is now. Right. So I would rather pay a little more for an artist like that, you know, that, yes. like, will benefit from that support. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like, totally. That $50 is just going straight to the label yeah, at yeah. this point. Yeah, I'm not going to buy a, a $50 mm-hmm. copy of, like, Thriller or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. Especially not now. Hey. Uh, <laughs> um let's get let's get into like a little bit of the origin story i ask uh, my guests all this all the time really um but like what sparked your passion for the scene um and specifically for you you're my french my my french my first bilingual artist and and person i guess on the podcast um so yeah let's talk about that you're from originally from um mattawa grew up in mattawa Mm -hmm. ontario shout out mattawa ontario hey no. <laughs> uh, there's a little l- little rap horn for hey. Mattawa, Ontario. A little, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Take us through like the first kind of like years. Um, did you grow up with music like all around kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So my journey actually began in Philadelphia. Hey, hey, Philly, Philly town. Yeah, you know. And then uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, there you go. And then uh, I was adopted. Yeah, um, yeah, family from Mattawa. Uh, a Franco-Ontarian and a Quebecois. And so, yeah, it was always kind of just like a bilingual thing yeah. going on. Um, yeah, what really got me into music, though, was, yeah, seeing the Beatles. Seeing yeah. the Beatles on TV. Like, there was reruns of the Ed Sullivan Show every Sunday. And, like, even, yeah, on, on Saturday nights, there was solid gold Saturday night on the radio. <laughs> and it was all, like, throwbacks to, like, the 60s. And, like, wow. my mom would always listen to that. And I remember just, like, running around the house and, like, um, I don't know, like, my mom would be, like, I don't know, like, folding sheets or something in her room. And then it would be playing on, on her little radio. That's and awesome. Yeah. It was just, like, something that was, like, huge for me. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, like, these people all just like expressed themselves in that way right and i would love to do that right um and then my dad bought a piano 
um, into the house and just like completely redid the finish and everything because it was an olive green color. It was, okay. it was so bad. It yeah. was so bad. <laughs> um, and yeah, my brother was taking uh, piano lessons, mm-hmm. but he wasn't really using the piano as much. Okay. So I started to hop on the piano and just play and I just like developed my ear. And at first it was like sometimes just playing like, I don't know, like Christmas songs and right. like a bit of like church music, even though that's like, that's passe for me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> there you go. Come on. Aids you, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, that's kind of like how it started. Yeah. Just like taking things I heard and just playing them and eventually putting little variations to them and, right. and making my own thing. Um, and one thing that happened early on for me is I would hear music mm-hmm. and then in my head, I would hear extra parts to right. the songs. Like I would hear like orchestrations on, I don't know, like basic arrangements i guess right, you right, know? Right, right yeah and and it's weird because sometimes i listen back to like songs i used to listen to as a kid and i'm like oh where's that part and i'm like oh, no whoa. i was just a messed up little kid you, you were know? just imagining those yeah. parts those yeah. extra parts yeah okay that's really so, cool yeah, yeah. so it, it's funny because like sometimes it tends like sometimes it still happens where like i'll be listening to a song and i'll be like oh but there's like there's missing like this element so i start to kind of like think about it in my brain yeah 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 where do you think that comes from was it just being exposed to a lot of just different music as a as, as a younger child and then going through that process or was it because you had access to those instruments kind of very young mm-hmm. um like i think it's it's a mix of all of that yeah. i think it's just like i've always had like a, a curious type of personality right um just like and i'm and also just like an addictive personality so like once I become curious about something, I want to know everything about it. Right. You know, and that's kind of what happened with the Beatles. Right. You know, like, I remember the f- my, my very first Beatles memory is watching uh, the music video for Penny Lane um, hey. on yeah, yeah. TV. Wow. And that just, like, sparked my interest. I was like, okay, like, these guys with, like, the weird mustaches <laughs> and the long coats, like, what's going on here? Yeah. And then, like, suddenly the next music video would be, like, help which right. is like them with the mop tops, you mm-hmm. know, like the early Beatles. So it was interesting just to see all these different, I guess, like iterations yeah. of the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. We, I think I spoke about this with, with, a, with a guest a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were talking about like just artists that have sort of been through just the, the different eras of mm-hmm. themselves. And obviously like I think about the Beatles every time because every record seems to seem to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's sort of like modern iterations of, of this of this sort of concept. Not to compare the Beatles to, let's say, or anybody really, um, but uh, like Taylor Swift goes through a lot of like eras. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any mm-hmm. that, that come to mind for you? Any other artists that yeah. like have like different eras that are very like kind of different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I I like to think of like Malajib as being one of those groups that has yeah. multiple eras as well. Um, like they, they were a big band in Montreal, you know, in the mid two thousands when like Kakwa, Arcade Fire, Wolf Parade, Broken Social Scene were kind of like coming up. Yeah. And yeah, every record kind of like deals with a weird subject, you know? Like, right, right, right. Um, and sometimes it's like, You'll have one record where, like, it's about, like, body parts. Yes. Or, you know, one record that's about mental health, you know. So 
um, yeah, it was interesting to see that. And also just like the different sounds that came out of like every different record they made um, and their solo work as well now. Yeah. 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 Shout out, shout out that solo work, Fontarabi and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Dang. Um, Dang. Now, coming out of, I guess, younger childhood, um, going into the Franco-Ontarian scene, I don't know if you'd like to talk about that. Um, just like your, I, I guess both of our upbringings, because we can both like really talk about that. Um, when did you sort of figure out that there was more to just playing in your bedroom? Yeah. Or playing in the studio at home? Yeah. Um, was yeah. there, was there like a specific part either like, I don't know, in, in, in high school or, um, Mm-hmm. Even in elementary school, was there yeah. was there like a time where there was like a performance or something, or some family members that just sort of like pushed you to just sort of go on stage? Kind of yeah. Thing? Well, like, um, yeah, my family was always very supportive in any way they could be, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, there was a talent show in Mattawa, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh, like you should go and do karaoke." So I was seven, and I played Mambo Number no. Five. And hey. Like, everyone freaked out you know and <laughs> and at the end of the show i just took my hat and i threw it into the audience and everybody was like they loved it you know and i remember <laughs> that moment very well i remember that day quite well well um and yeah at that moment i was like okay like i, I really want to do this right um and then like i took guitar lessons and everything and then there was like the occasional um talent show at school and stuff but right yeah i was i was bullied quite a lot just for you know i mean being black in a white community in yeah. northern ontario northern ontario yeah um and uh yeah it was uh it was something that was that was really difficult so um I was always kind of trying to find a way to to let my personality shine out. Right. So, yeah, eventually, I guess it was with, like, the French community um, because, um, yeah, in a lot of, like, French schools in Ontario, the the, uh, idea and, yeah, the idea of being Franco-Ontarian is is definitely pushed in schools because... Um, the identity mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the identity is definitely pushed um in uh in schools mm-hmm. and so i remember i you know we would go to um like the franco-ontarian day and we would have like free hot dogs and food and all of that there you, you go know? yeah <laughs> and so i was just like oh cool well i guess that's that's that you know right but then um les Kunai pep which is you know uh Shout out yes. pep. Yeah. Yes, come on come on yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they came to um, the school and we basically did a show on how Franco-Ontarians like came about. Like, right. The very, and also just like the story of like the very first French people coming to Canada mm-hmm. or what was to become Canada. Um, and what I discovered through that was that one of the first Franco-Ontarians that came to, well, one of the first Franco-Ontarians, one of the first people from France that came over with Samuel de Champlain, um, his name was uh, Mathieu d'Acosta, and he was black. So I played Mathieu d'Acosta without really knowing what it was or what he was, and it was when we did the show, um, there was like kind of like like a voiceover that said like, oh, the two first Franco-Ontarians, 
a a white man and an African man. And I was just like, oh, shoot. Okay, damn. You right, know? right. So it was like one of those moments where like I, I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm really proud to be um, Franco-Ontarian. So right. I started to do a lot of stuff in high school because there's a lot of like opportunities for for youth when it comes to uh, French culture in Ontario. Yeah. So I started going to, uh, you know, Les Jeux Franco-Ontariens, which yeah. is the Franco-Ontarian games. Uh, festival. Yeah, Festival, yeah. Quand ça nous chante, which yeah, is yeah. like a, kind of like a battle of the bands for French high schools in Ontario. Yeah, actually, when this mm-hmm. episode comes out, I'll be there doing some clinics, drum clinics, and some shows and stuff. Quand mm-hmm. um, shout out Quand ça nous um, for Thank <laughs> you for having me this year, Casa <laughs> <laughs> Hey. Oh, It's all right. But it's all right. I'll survive. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Next year. Next year. Yeah. Uh, or not. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, started doing shows in that community. Yeah. And then um, mm-hmm. also accompanying other artists as well. Yeah. Um, doing mm-hmm. that and getting um, management and all that stuff. We won't yeah. get we won't get mm-hmm. too into that stuff. Yeah. But basically, you were there, and then sort of after college and stuff, you sort of got into your English project. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Because for me, it had always been um, expression. Right. You know, like that was it. So the language didn't matter necessarily. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. And I found that my experience in the French community was very much like, oh, you have to wear that Franco-Ontarian flag. Right. You have to be this. You have to be that. But like my identity is Akim O. Right. Like that's who I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there is a part of me that's Franco-Ontarian. There's a part of me that's black. There's... Part of me that's depressed, you know. You know, we gotta celebrate our differences. Um, But (laughs) you know, there's yeah, there's a, you know, these are all kind of parts of me. Yes, yeah. I don't want one of those to like weigh more on the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So yeah, I started to do stuff in English, and right now I've been writing a lot in English. A lot of my ideas come out a little better in English. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, th- I think it's also just because there is kind of this thing in the French community where like, you're kind of expected to make music a certain way. Right. Where I've always just wanted to make the music I want to make. Right. You know? So yeah. for me, you know, it was time to do something different. It was natural to move on. Yeah. Which definitely. is fine. But you're also still working with a lot of different French artists. So mm-hmm. a lot of, and I, I mean, I'm there with you. Um, yeah. A lot of people in the, f- not to say like, not, not to badmouth the, the French community, mm-hmm. but there is a certain kind of um, expectancy in the music, the French, the French music, especially in minority language mm-hmm. kind of communities in Ontario, that if you're doing French music, you have to stay in French music. Mm-hmm. Um, and my opinion is that you can do both. Yeah. Um, and you could contribute to both kind of communities um and why not mm-hmm. you know i think that the the and, and you you spoke about this earlier but i think there's a lot to say about the french the franco-ontarian identity being pushed mm-hmm. in high school and yeah. ele- elementary schools not that it was a pro or a con but it was just it was just very felt that mm-hmm. that that it was a pushed thing yeah um yeah and when when it's something that's pushed like that 
people don't necessarily want to continue in something that's pushed. Yeah. You know, they want to feel, well, of course they want to feel welcomed, which is, you know, it is a, a community that is welcoming when you come in at first, you know, but like you also want to be able to do whatever you want to do without it becoming like, oh, you know, you're not doing something in French this time. You're like putting aside everything we've worked for for 400 years. And yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. come on, like there's a bunch of other stuff, you know, in that 400 years that like should have been dealt with. Right. You know. Yeah, before. Yeah. yeah. Even like, you know, I feel like sometimes it's a bit of like a romanticization of, uh, you know, of colonialism. Right. Which is kind of sad, but yeah, it is what it is. Getting into music, um, mm. let's talk a little bit about some influences, some records that have marked you the most. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, what, what I mean, we we're best like we talk every day. We're best friends. Mm. I know I know these things, but I maybe not. The, probably not everybody sort of listening knows these things. Mm -hmm. um, some major influences for you. Um, if if I were to answer this question, would be like the Beatles. Yeah, as number one. Uh, individual like solo careers but also as a group um but please take us through mm -hmm. uh the others and maybe even some specific records that have marked you and yeah have well, influenced you i've got a few wild cards so hey all right yeah um <laughs> a record that was very influential at the time for me was mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of mambo by lou bega there you go that okay. was a huge record yeah. for me wow so, Shout out. Yeah, it was one of those records that like I could sing, like I could sing every every song, and I still know every song off that record wow. because, yeah, for me it was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, someone of color who is doing his thing. Like, it, I don't know, it was big for me. Yeah, growing yeah up. totally. And like, yeah, the like the first show I did, I sang Mambo Number no. Five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. because I got that cassette. You know, right. it's, it's funny because I remember the exact moment I heard Mambo Number no. Five for the first time. Wow! And we were on our way back from Florida. Yeah, because we we used to travel a lot. Yeah. Um, and I was in the in the van, in the old big van, <laughs> and Mambo Number no. Five comes on, and I'm like, oh my gosh! And I remember I was literally dancing in the back, and like yeah. I was a hyper kid anyway, so maybe I was dancing to everything. <laughs> But I remember that exact moment specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I was in the like in the middle seat in the back of the big van <laughs> dancing. You know, it yeah. was yeah, it was great. Yeah. But yeah, that was big. Um, the first CD I ever got was the Beatles one. Yes, of course. So that yeah. was huge. Such a huge moment for yeah. me as well. Yeah. Uh, Paul McCartney Wingspan. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that was my second CD. That's still in the car for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, those those three records were huge for me. Mm -hmm. um, now, as an artist, like, man, there's there's so many records I yes. can tell you that have had like a, an influence. But like, Revolver remains one of my favorite Beatles records of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's so much stuff. Like <laughs> there's so much stuff, you know, yeah. there's, there's a certain record by a certain group, uh, you know, the name of the record is Re <laughs> reflector. Yes. Yeah. And that was a huge record for me when it came out, I listened to it every day for two months mm -hmm. and it completely changed how I viewed and, and listened to music. Yeah. In my notes, I have a bit on, uh, the band from Montreal, Arcade mm -hmm. Fire. Yeah. Um, 
we spoke previously on the phone about this, about how we wanted to sort of address it. Um, do we want to spend a couple minutes just talking about how people deal with that? Because we talk a lot about how people deal with cancellation mm-hmm. as, the, as an artist themselves, but we never necessarily talk about the effect of cancellation yeah. or, or cancel culture on um, just, like, their fans and how, like, impactful that could become. Yeah, definitely. Um, with an uh, artists and a band or a group, uh, wh- however you want to call them, um, like Arcade Fire, how, how has the recent... Um, cancellation of will but uh, win butler sort of <laughs> oh. not will oh. yeah oh. <laughs> not, not the politician no. uh <laughs> win butler how, how is that how has that influenced sort of your i guess your take um it's weird because it's it's something that i've uh yeah it, it's been really weird it's been honestly really weird because yeah, it's a band that like has been super influential, you know. And we had sessions uh, in August together, uh, Matt and I, everybody. And <laughs> come on, and um, we recorded songs, and they were very much like Arcade Fire. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like I was really, really um, like in a big like Arcade Fire phase, and then I got home. And I went out to celebrate my birthday and I got a message like from like CBC or whatever that said like, you know, Win Butler, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, damn, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, I feel like that's, that's something I haven't fully like thought about as much because like I did have like some personal ties to the band as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Some, some professional relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, but I, I do think that it's important to take the time to listen to the victims, you know, because like, yeah, it's, it's important to, to give them, you know, like the, like the, their, like their voices are valid, yeah, you yeah. know, and I feel like there's a lot of people in, like when people get canceled, a lot of people kind of just like defend the artists without really like taking time to like really reflect, you know? <laughs> reflect. Yeah, reflector. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Bruh. Yeah. No, but yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. a seri- it's serious like to think about it too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I've I've been feeling about it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not as big as a as a group for me as, as it is for you, but it's still had a pretty big it, it, their music has had a pretty big in- impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I I have to admit that I haven't necessarily listened to the group mm-hmm. uh, in a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it definitely hit me just because having met them and mm-hmm. sort of worked sort of in a way with them. Yeah. Um, it's also been sort of weird to just kind of like witness that from the outside. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, pushing y'all to, to think about uh, about that and from, mm-hmm. from your perspective. <laughs> Moving on to your process. Um, this My notes on this section and this topic are blank. Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> as they say in the French um, language, <laughs> I was going to say the French industry, but in the f- French language, um, we have carte blanche on this, mm-hmm. meaning that we can just talk about, we, we, have, we don't have any guidelines. So, I'm going to open up the discussion to you 
talk about your process specifically because I know you wanted to sort of take us through that for mm-hmm. you. Um, I'm not even going to lead you into it. Mm-hmm. Please talk. Please talk to us about your your process. Yeah, I think that like my process uh, is always evolving. It's always changing. Mm-hmm. Um, like usually. I get a bit of an idea in my head and I'm like, okay, I need to like sit at my computer and just like start to like play some stuff, you know, but it's interesting because the minute I kind of start to get uh, a melody, Mm -hmm. I already know where the song's going to go, which is like really weird. Like, I feel like, yeah, the, like a melody can have, can definitely have like power over like, the rest of the song, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about melody first, oftentimes. Yeah, yeah, it's often the melody, or like, you know, like for me, like I, I'm often playing in D, right? Like it's often, I don't know why, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, such yeah. A, a happy note, right? You know, and it just, I don't know, it just feels like when when you hear a song that starts with like the D note. It just already feels very ambitious, in my opinion. It's okay. like, okay, something's coming. Right, you know? right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's it's often just, like, starting with a melody. And, like, um, I'm often just, like, recording little ideas. And I'll have a bunch of different patches of sounds and record that melody a bunch of times. Right. Um, with, like, I don't know, different textures and kind of just, like, I don't know, just, like, pinpoint some, some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm often, like already hearing the bass right yeah and it's like it's got to be like a mccartney style like driven bass yeah you yeah, know? yeah yeah picked yeah. Mm-hmm. picked yeah always <laughs> always picked, never yeah. never play bass without a pick come on <laughs> oh yeah thank you ah no. you you recently said on instagram that you tend to start or these days you tend to start writing on bass yeah um mm-hmm. uh, w- uh, what do you know? Do you know why that has been, or is it is it mostly like just come natural to you? Um, yeah, I think that it's because, uh, like when we played the NAC, yes, um, I had such a great time playing bass that like I just like continued playing bass. Like I never thought that I would be able to play bass and sing at the same time, right? And that's like always been my dream. Like, yeah, as a kid, like <laughs> get that McCartney yeah. out. Yeah, like yeah. as a teen, it was my dream. <laughs> Right. You know? Um, so yeah. So I, I, I said like, okay, why not? Like I'm I'm gonna try it out on mm-hmm. one song and then we rehearsed that one song. Um and I was like, Oh shit, like I can do this. Right. And so I added another song where I played bass. Um and yeah, for me, like I often when I'm just at home and I want to jam, yeah, I'll put some songs on and I'll start to play bass. Right. So some songs that you, some songs that you listen to, or your your own songs. So a bit of both. Okay. Like sometimes it'll be like like I have a weird collection of like instrumental Beatles CDs where it's like bands that like kind of like jazz up Beatles songs or like oh, make yeah. like grand productions out of them. Right, right, right. And so I will take the bass and just like riff on just it, jam on you them. know, yeah, and. Yeah, I used to do that quite a lot, and I guess that, like, in between the songs, I would just kind of still continue playing, and sometimes a riff would come up, and I'd be like, you know what? I think I'm going to, like, lay a drum beat on my keyboard and then just play bass to it. Right. So often it comes out, yeah, like, a lot of ideas come out through playing bass, 
Because I don't know, like the bass is kind of like it's it's a little kind of just like in between the other instruments. Yeah, it's rooted, you know? and you you mm-hmm. get your structure out of the bass as well, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, like mm-hmm. often musical directors that I work with have always said that like basically the the bass is carrying the structure of the tune. So mm-hmm. no, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. So like when I'm playing bass, I'll start to get a melody in my head. Right. That goes kind of in between the bass. Mm-hmm. You know. And that will often lead to a vocal idea. Right. And so, like, I ha- I have this old mic that I restored at home. And I will literally just, like, sit and be like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, like, eventually, like, <laughs> becomes, like, I don't know, like, chicken sauce, you know? Chicken sauce. Yeah, why not? You why know? not? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, like, yeah. And I, I know that, like, a lot of musicians, I, like, do that type of thing, too. Like, right. McCartney is, like, you know. He's a he's a great example for that because for him it was with yesterday when he was writing, yesterday he was saying scrambled eggs instead. So scrambled right. eggs. Right, right, right. Oh my baby, how I love your legs. <laughs> like that's what he was saying, which is like you wouldn't say that today, you know. Right. Um. But uh, yeah, like yeah, a lot of jamming like and improv. Yeah, and yeah. Placeholder is mm-hmm. a great, a g- yeah. great way to say it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So yeah, so I kind of usually have placeholders, or like I'll mumble something. And then in my head, I'll kind of already know where I do want the song to go. Right. Um, but I just don't have a way of, like, saying it just yet. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'll continue on the music. Usually the music will be completely done. Like, as you know, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. a perfectionist when it comes to my demos. Oh, yes. They often yeah. sound like the real deal. No, but it's, it's actually insane. This <laughs> man's demos are actually, like, wild. Hey. Yeah. So, Yeah. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll come and collaborate with some yes, other people. Yeah, Toronto um, has been a hub recently. Yeah, uh, I often get some some demos in the on my phone or something. Yeah. You send them to me. And Poor guy. <laughs> no, 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 they're great every time. We've talked about a little bit about your recording process. Um, what about like your live process? Does that ever come to mind, like, when you think about, like, your individual process when it comes to live? Do you get, like, do you get nervous for live? Is it something that you think about for a long time? I know some shows are more Mm -hmm. kind of important than others, so you kind of tend to think about them more than than others as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. What about about those thoughts on on the live process? Mm -hmm. I mean... It's funny because, yeah, I used to do shows, like, maybe, like, 10 years ago. Like, I, I was playing between, I don't know, like, 10 and ten and 12 dates. A month? 10, 11, 12. No, not a month. Come on, I'm a chemo. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, um, just, like, throughout the year kind of thing. Right. Uh, just, like, you know, I had toured. I had done, um, like, some of my own stuff and then festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and then I stopped completely. Yeah. And I did a lot of studio stuff for like six, six, seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And then last year I did 20 shows, which yeah. is like crazy. Yeah. You know? No, like it's I really great. I never thought, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a weird thing at first. Like when I, when, well, when we played the NAC, it was surreal. It made no sense to me in my brain. And like, right. I didn't, I did not understand that moment at all. And I still don't really understand it. <laughs> um, but it definitely got easier. Um, I tend to get a little nervous before I get on because I don't know. I just don't want to get judged, man. Right. You know, no one wants to get judged, you know? Right, right. But the minute I'm on stage, 
and I'm starting to play something. Right. I get into this kind of like headspace where like the rest is just like is nothing kind right. of thing. You know, like I'm doing my thing and the people out there are there to to take in this music. Right. And to witness. To witness yeah, yeah. the music, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um and so yeah, it just started to to feel easier but it mm-hmm. it's funny though because i'm at a point now where i'm like okay what am i doing next live right. because i did a lot of of acoustic stuff uh stuff with like the tape machine and yeah i am looking forward to what comes next yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. i i do want to do um a lot more like full band stuff and mm-hmm. like by full band like i i'm thinking more like of like a, a trio or like four people like i don't think i would want to go with any more than that right yeah i'm looking forward to to what's coming because like yeah i want to play less instruments live i do want right. to play some stuff but i want to dance i want to run around like the stuff i'm working on right now is is a little more poppy in a way there's definitely still like the alternative influences and stuff that i've i've always kind of had right um but, but yeah but you want to be an at, like a solo you want to be able to entertain a crowd without yes. a, without like a guitar or a bass yeah. on or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like I think that like there's beauty in also playing those instruments, like having moments like that. Right. But it's like I don't want to have to worry, you know, because when I'm playing, then I'm I'm thinking. Whereas like yeah, if there's one thing I learned last year is that when I'm singing, mm-hmm. I'm not thinking. Right. Like right. I I fall into. I don't know this, this character. Weird, or I don't know what it is, but yeah. like a weird spot, and it's funny because I'm getting chills saying this. Yeah, yeah I yeah. fall into this weird spot that I've never been to before until like last year. Right. Where like I just like I feel invincible on stage, and I just want to let everything out, and like right. I want to be fucking awkward. You know, right, like right. I want my personality to come out. Whereas yeah, like yeah. if I'm stuck behind an instrument, then I'm like, okay, like. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Like right, that's right. what's every going time, on, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, so I want to kind of be able to show off every side of myself live, right. and I think that if there's one thing that's kind of like missing in music these days is like people wanting to show those sides, you the know, real side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you know, you go on TikTok and it's it's often just like, oh, like how can I get as many people and how can I kind of like monetize everything I do, you know, but it's like, you don't need to monetize everything. Mm -hmm. You don't need to, for everything to be a trend, right? You know, you can go out there and be yourself. And when you're being your true authentic (laughs) stuff, when you're being your true authentic self is when the magic kind of starts to happen around you. Right. You know? And I think that's what's been happening for me. Whereas, like, I've put myself out there as myself for the very first time in a way. And that's just brought things. Right. And it's been, like, it's been a blessing more than anything. Mm -hmm. I have to highlight that your 20 shows in 2022 were after April. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you still had, like, three months there. So Mm -hmm. it's it's actually 20 shows in uh, three-quarter year uh, what well, uh, i guess three quarters of a year so it's like no it's it was mm-hmm. it's great and it's great yeah. to see you kind of get out uh, on the live stage cuz i mean and it's great to be a part of it as well yeah. when i can hey man hey 
Yeah. And uh, actually, because, you know, you've you've helped me <laughs> quite a lot, you know, through all of this, I brought you a present. I heard that about I would that. like to uh, to give you. So I got this for you. I think you will enjoy it. Um, you know, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I brought you this, oh, you okay. know, it's uh, it's rare. <laughs> I actually thought this was at my parents' house. <laughs> it's at mine. Oh, it's my It's been gosh. there for almost a year. <laughs> almost a year. Hey, all right. It's a little dusty. But oh, oh, yeah. come on, come on, come on. A little beat, a little beat. Come on. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Hey. <laughs> that's going to be, gonna be yeah. on Instagram. There you go. You got some applause on there? Ah. Hey, thank you hey, very se- much. Sebo, Sebo. <laughs> hey, look at that. That's that's real stuff. That's real. That's pearly real. white. Hey. Pico. All right. Come yeah. to us. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm. I just want to do more. I honestly, I look up to people like Bowie. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's hilarious. Yeah, hey, I had to, man. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I look up to people like Bowie. Right. Like Bowie has been huge for me. I mean, it's kind of sad to say, but since he passed away, he's been huge for me. Right. No. no um, yeah. Because I always knew he was around, mm-hmm. but I never really kind of like dove in. Whereas, like, the day he passed away. The first thing that showed up on my YouTube that morning was uh, a song from Hunky Dory uh, called Kooks. Right. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I like this. It's very British. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, and it's, yeah. and I also really like the glam era, like the early glam stuff. Like, it was very fresh, you know, and it still yeah. remains fresh. Also, a lot of these guys were like pals with. Some of the members of the Beatles, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like T Rex, uh, like uh, Mark Bolin was a really good friend of uh, Ringo's, you know. Right. So, I kind of, yeah, I look up to these guys that also just like didn't wear just like, you know, men's clothes. They wore a bit of everything, right? You know, and like I also want to express that side. I want to be able to like, yeah, just fully be myself on stage, and I feel like. For me, that also just, like, begins with appreciating artists like Bowie. Right. Who, you know, weren't being the typical white male in, you know, a scene that was, you know, that was ba- basically a lot of men. Yeah, And, it, and it's course. still kind of, it's still like that yeah, today, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it, yeah, I find that just to be very inspiring. Mm-hmm. And we're back with a game called... Didn't you know? Hey, for the people that weren't here a couple of weeks ago with Trippy, uh, the game uh, the game didn't you know is basically uh, we're trying to guess the same answer, um, and this is the didn't you know best friends edition. Um, so it's all it's all about so it's, it's all about music, of course, but it's all about like our interactions with music. So without further ado. Um, Get a little yas. yas in there before we start. And um, <laughs> the first question, and again, the goal is to get the same answer here. The first question is, what I it, what is Akeem's favorite record? I think I know what you're going to go with here. But, oh, yeah? But I don't know. Let's see. I don't know. We'll just do a reveal. All right? All right. Okay. Three... Two, one. 
Hey, hey, all right. Revolver, we got it right. Revolver. Revolver. Yes. Great record. Great record. Great record. <laughs> I love it. What's your favorite song of Revolver? Oof. I mean, She Said, She Said is a classic. Yeah. Uh, but Here, There, and Everywhere is probably my f- one of my favorite songs of all time. But if yeah. it doesn't play at my wedding, like... Fucking burn the place down, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, come on, bruh, bruh. Second question: <laughs> <laughs> Who does Matt want to be when he grows up? So this is like my, my, my icon, right? Like basically, who do I idolize the most? And this is for the people on the podcast. They probably know. They probably know this because I mention him pretty much every episode. Oh yeah, but but I always like I mess up this guy's name, so this will be interesting. We'll see. Interesting. All right. Um, I'll I'll reveal first. Okay. Okay. So for mm. <laughs> for the kids at home, mm. it's Questlove. Ah. Uh, Would you put? Isn't there like a a Chris Daddy or something? <laughs> yes. Like a drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. that his name, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. It's Chris Daddy Dave. Ah. There yeah. You go. So yeah, Chris Dave. Is definitely shout out Chris Dave out there. One of my idol, one of my drumming idols. Yes, let's jam sometime. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I had the opportunity of getting some 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 classes with with uh, Chris. I know you didn't let me in. You didn't let me in. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't let you in. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no. But Questlove, shout out Questlove, literally every time. He's, um, he's a king. Quest Love Supreme, great podcast. Uh, his work with the Roots, his work as a producer, mm-hmm. his work at the fiftieth um, mm-hmm. uh, rap um, hip hop. Um, yeah, you could say boards. that he's laid down some roots for a lot of artists. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is getting into more of like the the both of our thing, mm-hmm. both of us uh, questions. Wow, the French is really coming out today. La Francaise. Yes. If y'all had, <laughs> if y'all had to work with one artist right now, mm. in the scene, who would it be? Together, together. So oh my gosh, I'll, I'll, I'll and I'll sort of pre- do more precise here. Um, in Toronto, I s- I think if 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 we're connecting telepathically right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> One person in Toronto music scene. All right. Yes. <laughs> Who is it? Mystery. <laughs> I'm Mister. I'm Mister. Go ahead. Go. Please reveal. Luna Lee. Yeah. I love ya. Shout out Anna. Yeah. Luna Lee. Legend. Get her on the show. Get her on the show. That's I, yeah. There you go. No, she's great, man. Yeah, Luna I Lee. think. Uh, yeah, I think she's great and Juno nominated. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well deserved. Yeah. Duality is one of my favorite records last year. Yeah. Should have been in the top for Polaris. Yeah. But I think that one of her, yeah. One of her records will definitely make that for sure. Shout out Lily Lee. Stop <laughs> 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 Okay. Um Le Danger. Oh Le Danger. Um, if there's a de- if there's a decade in which Akeem mm, yeah. would have wanted to be an artist in, which would it be? I 
I don't know. I don't know about this. This is a tough one. That's a me. tough one. Yeah. So I think. So I think uh, uh, this answer is what's going to be because because you'd still want all of your influences before like all the people that you've listened to in the past but you'd still want to live in that decade yeah because of what was happening in that scene uh in that decade and I, I oh, and I that's why I picked the 2000s yeah it's funny because i was originally going to put that yeah. i said 60s but no cuz racism <laughs> so okay now so now okay yeah that's because, great like yeah i mean i would love to i would have loved to to have been part of that scene i guess yeah but at the same time i like that like a lot of artists can kind of just do whatever they want to do now and like you know there's a lot of indie music that's on the charts you know yeah. and a lot of pop artists like harry styles doing the whole like you know semi-pop semi-out you know right 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 so right. Yeah, I have a lot of admiration for that. A lot more freedom today. That's yeah. a great. That's a great take. A lot of freedom for people like me, though. You know. Yeah. No. For, no. But all well, like that's enough, also reality. <laughs> yeah. That too. That not too. enough. That too. It's my month. <laughs> hey, I take it. Shout out. Thank you. Merci. <laughs> this last question <laughs> is: If y'all went on a road trip right now, okay. So okay. basically, if we left right now, okay. Mm-hmm. What's the first record that we? <laughs> What's the first record that we put on? Um, this is a big question that we put on right now. Um, first record. Yeah. Damn. This, yeah. This one's, yeah. Um, but you know what? I'm going to go all the way on this one. Oh, man. Um, wow. that's It's great that you have an answer right away. Yeah. <laughs> um, dang. I was thinking about this record today. Here we go. Okay. Uh, let's reveal at the same time again okay. for this one. Okay. Three, two, one. Oh! oh come on! Hey, all right. That's a great That's a great choice. Akeem put down In Rainbows, and I put down The White Album. Ah, Yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a great record. It is. One it, of my favorite records of all time. I know. That's why, man. Hey. And very Tom generous. York on, on drums, you know? <laughs> Scotch Miss type shit. Oh my gosh. Come on. Whoa. I watch that video sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Whoa. For those who know Scotch Miss, uh, uh, Radiohead, uh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's a that's great. And also, yeah. shout out the In the Basement record, you know? uh, the In the Basement sessions, yeah. uh, where Tom's drumming um, mm-hmm. on yeah on those songs. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great answer though. Yeah, the White Album is great too. It yeah, is. I don't know why. I, don't I know always. Why I was about the White yeah, album. I always debate. Like I'm always debating when it comes to that record because, mm-hmm. like, it is a record obviously that I love. Yeah, and it's one of the earliest. One of the earliest Beatles memories when it comes to vinyl mm-hmm. um, was listening to that and Sgt. Pepper. Right. I, I had been given original pressings as a kid. Right. So, yeah, it's definite. It's one of those records that when I listen to that record. I expect one part to kind of skip because right. like on my record, it skipped at right. some point. Right, so right, like, right. 
yeah, it it's it's a weird thing for me because yeah. I guess yeah, I listened to it so much as a kid with that skip that like in my mind it's just like hmm. that skips there. Get that vinyl PTSD. Hey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dang. No, I, I honestly I think about uh, I think about the White Album a lot just because my dad I think that's like one of his if not his favorite Beatles record. Eddie uh, boy. Multi- Eddie boy. Hey, come on. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I often think about the White Album just for even for road trips because we've done so many road trips together and mm-hmm. it's something that always came on and even at home, like, yeah, there's so many great songs on that and Revolution. it's a long record too, so it's sort of a road trip record. Mm-hmm. Revolution 9 on repeat, man. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You're driving and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> great times. <laughs> mm, come on. And we're back, Akimo Cloud Machine Podcast. Thanks for being with us. The last question before we conclude this episode is basically, and we spoke about it earlier, but it's basically, I don't know. Every week I ask my guests about like tips and tricks or how-tos and stuff. Um, while there's stuff that we did touch on on your process and stuff that could be taken as how-tos, I really wanted to shine a light on like, your self-expression and your self-identity because I feel like you're very in tune with who you are. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, tips on just, like, being your true self and being an expressive artist. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's it's, it's about just being you at the end of the day, you know, trying to find ways to get to the core of who you are. And I think that, like, once you're in tune with that, then you're going to write real things. You won't really have people to impress. Because right. um, for yeah, for a very long time, I was writing with others in mind. Right. I was writing, oh, like, you know, I want to write music for, I don't know, just like everyone, for everyone to enjoy, you know. But the reality is not everyone's going to see what you do, you know, but people are going to be able to tell if it's real. Right. You know, they'll be able to tell if you're in tune with how you feel. Um, At the same time, I think there's something very artsy with, like, the art of not necessarily being you on record because you're kind of just exploring another side of yourself, you know? Right. But, yeah, for me, it's, it's, yeah, the, the minute I started to get in tune with who I am and my core values then the ideas started to flow and it came from from a better place i found right mm-hmm. do you find that somebody can find that easily um with all things it's it's a journey yeah. you know like i think with everything you know it's it's part of uh the journey mm-hmm. um yeah it takes a while to find yourself you know like i'm at the end of my 20s which is wild to say, yeah. and I still wear shit like this. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not part of it. Uh, no, but, you know, I'm at the end of my 20s, and I feel like a lot of my 20s were spent trying to please other people, right? you know. And, yeah, I'm at a place now where I just want to please myself. I want to do things for myself. I want to record. I want to um, I want to do shows, but, like, I don't want to do that necessarily for the people coming out even though like you know for me it's like it's sharing what i do yeah yeah um which is great but at the end of the day i do it because like i want to share that with people i want to share 
my ideas and, and my views on, on things going on. Right. Um, and I feel like my songwriting now has become very much like, it, it's, it's almost like there's, there's three different parts to my record, to my, um, to my writing. So you have the one part that's like me observing, you know, observing someone and like all of the effects that they have on me then there's like kind of like a society type of thing coming into my music as well. Right. Like I wrote this new song called sense, which is kind of about, I don't know, like two people that are being told that, Oh, you guys can't be together because of this, this, that. And the partner in this is kind of like starting to doubt, you know? So I'm like, it's almost like it's three dimensional because it's my reaction to that. It's kind of what society's thinking, and then um, the other person involved. Right. So it's a three-way mm-hmm. sort of thing, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> not like that, Bruh. but it's it's <laughs> sort of like there's that there's the yeah. personal side, but there's also the, like the omniscient side as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I I don't know. I I think that's what is coming natural naturally to me now because yeah, yeah. like yeah. Like, of course, like, I, I want to take in how people are feeling out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, yeah, take in what's going on in the world and put it into my music. But I want it to be, like, seen as, like, oh, like, it's me taking in this information. Right. It's not just, like, me writing, like, oh, my gosh, the earth is burning, global warming, right. blah, blah, blah. It's, oh, I feel this way, this way, this way. Because the earth is burning. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. Do you find that, and I guess it's sort of taking out of the question, but do you find that you're, you're, you write, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start my question on saying that I'm, I'm part of your writing process. We write a lot together. Um, and I often find that a lot of your, a lot of your songs revolve around a relationship between two people um, that are all, that sort of have a self-imposed conflict or that the situation causes a conflict in, in themselves or that um, they want to do something together. Um, mm-hmm. But the world kind of <laughs> sort of like, not necessarily like brings them down, but yeah. sort of pushes them apart. Um, do you find that that's something that's that just like comes naturally? Um, do you find... I, I don't know how to ask this. Do, do you know where it comes from? Um, I think that it just stems from having been in so many things with so many different people right. and trying to kind of like, I don't know, force love. I right. feel like we're kind of like in that era where like, you know, oh, we want, we, we're feeling like we want love. Okay, we're going to go on Tinder or Bumble or whatever, you know. Right. It's not an ad. Yeah, please. Um, come on. Tinder, Bumble, please don't. Sponsor this podcast. Nah, please don't. Come on. <laughs> Hinge though. Hinge. Oh, yeah. oh, oh come on. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but you know, we're we're at a point, yeah, where like if we want something, we can go get it on the internet, basically. Right. You know, and and by doing that, we're kind of like getting rid of like the real type of like I there's definitely real love on those, you know, like you could meet someone and marry them and be with them forever, you know, but mm-hmm. um what was your question again, though? No, just like, do you find that it comes naturally? Oh, okay, okay. But yeah. it, no, it's a good answer in the sense mm-hmm. that, like, it, it it's 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 what's relevant in your life and mm-hmm. just like yeah. your relationships with people. You 
like mm-hmm. they're important to you yeah well like, it comes out through art as well yeah like yeah. i think that like yeah i'm someone that romanticizes quite a lot right and we are kind of like in a society where like a lot of people are romanticizing a lot of people think like oh this person's like this this that right and then when they meet they see that there's all these other things, you know, like either they have more, more to offer or, you know, you thought that they were a certain way, but they aren't. So when they aren't, you know, which is like completely fine, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, I guess from living all of those things and wanting to be in like, you know, like a, a perfect relationship that will last forever and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, I guess, like, yeah, I do a lot of thinking on that, and Mm -hmm. so it ends up in my songs, and I don't know, for me, the whole kind of, like, star-crossed lovers type of thing is something that is so attractive to me. Right. I don't know why, but I love the whole, like, two people being together no matter what. Right. You know? So, I think that, like, yeah, my writing is definitely leaning more towards that, and not just kind of, it's not about those two people anymore, though. It's about, like, everything surrounding. It's the whole the environment. world. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, that environment where they are because that can have an impact. So, yeah, a lot of my writing is on that now. Cool. Mm-hmm. I like to thank Akimo for being my guest on this week's episode of the podcast. Um, it was so insightful to talk about your process, um, your influences, um, also your thoughts on just like how you express yourself and the, and sort of like the way that, you know, your process and just like your whole sort of being, um, it was a fun game as well. Uh, and, um, yeah, thanks for coming all the way down from Ottawa. Um, to the people who are listening, thank you for listening to the podcast every week. Um, or maybe not every week. Maybe this is your first episode, and very thankful for that. Um, seeing a lot of different comments, a lot of different people interacting, and I appreciate all of you. Uh, please continue. We love answering your questions um, here at Eights Creative. Shout out Eights Creative. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Um, please stay safe. Again, thanks, Akeem. Thank you. Love you. Yeah.